So how many of you guys have ever had one of those experiences where things turned out better than you had expected? Anybody ever have one of those moments like you, maybe you're getting ready to take a test and you didn't know if it was going to turn out that well and you took the test and you get the score back and you go, oh wow, that was better than I expected, right? Um, or maybe you, you know, some of you single, single folks, you, you went on a date, you met somebody online, you're like, I don't know, this could be dodgy. You go out with a person that's like, hey, that was actually better than I expected, right? Or, or your job, you know, you go in for a review, it's been kind of a touch and go year, you go in uh, and... D- Boss says, this was amazing. You didn't, you know, you're like, wow, that was better than I expected. So I love it when that happens. And this happened to me um, last week. So some of you may know, my wife, Rebecca, and I had the opportunity last week to go to a conference, a leadership conference over in London, England. Um, A dear friend of ours really wanted us to go to this conference and actually gifted us the opportunity to go. So it was pretty amazing. Um, And it was in every respect, better than I could have ever anticipated or expected. And it started actually with the, with the plane ride over there. So, I, I mean, I normally, if I fly, I'm normally, you know, making a short trip somewhere, and it's usually on Southwest. And um, Southwest is cool, you know, no, nothing wrong with Southwest, right? Um, it's not United, which is good in some <laughs> respects. Um, so, no, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. A lot of love for United. Um, kind of a drag, but no, okay, that's totally, wait, 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 wait. Not out of line. That's not in my notes. Not appropriate. Okay. Anyway, this was on Delta. <laughs> this was on Delta. And I don't know if they were just trying to stay out of the news, but like literally every, everything was like exceeded my expectations. So you, first of all, you get on the flight, on the plane. It's twice as big as a normal plane that you normally ride on, at least that I normally ride on. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is, this is great. You know, it's a lot of room to stretch out, you know, and you know, catch some Z's. It was going to be a seven-hour trip, so my expectations were like, it's going to be rough. Get on this plane, a lot of room. First thing that happens is the crew comes out, and they've got these hot, moist towelettes that they hand to you. It's like baby wipes for adults. Like, it's just, and you just wipe your face, and you know, wipe your hands, and just kind of refresh yourself. And then the, the pilot comes on. He goes, hey, I just want you to know, for those of you who want to stay plugged in, it's going to be free Wi-Fi, the whole flight, free Wi-Fi. You know, you can check your email, do whatever. And I'm like, wow, I, I wasn't expecting that. Then you go to your seat back, and they've got amazing movies that you can watch. And like, normally an in-flight movie is like Father of the Bride Part 8. You know, it's like something <laughs> kind of lame. It's like, what am I going to do? I'll watch it. This is like... Uh, Moonlight, La La Land, um, um, Hidden Figures, Bleed Like This, like all these Academy Award winning movies, all for free. And I mean, I'm just not, uh, um, uh, one of our, one of our uh, guest assistance team leaders are, uh, said, you know, hey man, you're just not on the right flights. He's from France. So he's like going overseas all the time. For me, this, this kind of flight was amazing. So then they come down, they, uh, instead of giving you like some stale pretzels and peanuts, they give you like a steaming hot plate of lasagna or chicken with risotto and asparagus. I mean, it's like incredible. After that, they come through with ice cream and coffee. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should start doing that here. That. Um, then they come, give you your own personal pillow and your own personal blanket. Then an eye mask and earplugs. I mean, it was like, this is amazing. I mean, this is in coach. I don't know what, they were like giving foot rubs up in first class. I don't know. But like everything about it was better than I could have possibly expected. And I love when that happens. I love those moments. As a pastor, I notice that sometimes, me included, 
All of us sometimes have expectations for our life, for our career, for our relationships that are not too big. In many respects, what I notice as a pastor is that a lot of time, a lot of times, people's expectations for their life are too small. It's not that we are expecting too great things happening in our life. A lot of times, we are not expecting enough to happen in our life. And so what I want to do today is I want to challenge us to reflect on what happened on that very first Easter 2,000 years ago, and in light of that, expand and adjust our expectations for what is possible in our own life. Uh, I think some of us probably go through life and we say, look, I, I don't expect much of uh, my relationship. Maybe my parents didn't have a good relationship. Maybe I've had some bad relationships. And so I just, you know, I'm just kind of keep my head down and just kind of move on through this relationship. Or maybe, you know, uh, you, you have a career and you're like, well, I'm just kind of cash and paychecks. I don't have any expectation of any great sense of calling or purpose or, or value or meaning. I'm just going to try to kind of keep my head down and get by. That's not, that's not the story of Easter. The story of Easter is that sometimes things happen that are beyond the realm of our comprehension, that are beyond the realm of what we deemed possible. And when we live our lives in light of the resurrection, when we live our lives allowing the power of the res- resurrection to pervade every area of our life, our expectations begin to expand. Our expectations begin to grow. So I want to title this sermon... If Easter, then whatever, right? Because if Easter happened, then whatever issue you are facing in your relationship can be resolved. If Jesus really was raised from the dead, if Easter happened, then whatever situation is going on in your work can be remedied. If Easter happened, then whatever pain, discomfort, problem, challenge, or difficulty in your life that you're experiencing can be overcome. If Easter happened, that's expanding our expectation of what's possible in our life. If Easter happened, then whatever God wants to do, he can do in your life. If Easter, then whatever. So here's the goal, single goal, only goal for the sermon, for the sermon today, and it's this that we would expand our expectations to align with the reality of Easter. I want to challenge each and every one of us to expand our expectations of what is possible in us, to us, and through us by God as a result of the power of what happened on that one Easter Sunday morning. And to do that, I want to explore the story of a man who had extremely low expectations for his life. I want to explore the life of a man who had almost no expectations for his life because his experiences in the past had been so bad that he had no expectation that anything was going to get better until he encountered two guys, two of Jesus' followers, who recently had experienced the risen Lord, and so their expectations of what was possible had been radically expanded And these two guys encounter this one guy who who has no expectations for his life. I'm going to read from Acts chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, join along. And here's what it says. It says, one day, Peter and John, these are two of Jesus' closest disciples, they were going up to the temple at the time of prayers, about three in the afternoon. And it says there was a man who was lame from birth. This is a man who had a, a congenital condition uh, and, and never from the time of his birth been able to walk. 
He had a birth, an issue before he was born. His feet and his ankles uh, were not strong, and he was not able to walk. Um, he was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. So I want you just to take a, take a moment and imagine the scenario. There's a man who's, we learn later on in the story, he's about 40 years old, maybe a little older. Um, from the day he was born, he had never actually risen up on his feet. He had never gotten his feet under him. And every day his family would take him and put him outside of the temple gate, the gate called Beautiful. Now the gate Beautiful was about a 70 foot tall uh, gate outside of the temple, maybe about as tall as, somewhere around as tall as this auditorium. It's a huge, massive gorgeous, ornate gate, and it's got silver and gold on it, and here's this broken man sitting outside of this gate, and the key word is outside. Because of his birth defect, because of the issues that he had with his body, he had never been allowed to go inside of that gate and experience the power of God inside of there. So literally think of a man who desperately needed the power of God in his life, who was literally leaning against the temple in which God dwelt, and he was not able to go in. All right, so he's outside of this temple gate. And here comes Peter and John uh, to go into the temple. It says, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. I mean, this is, this is a great spot if you're begging for money because, you know, people are coming in and out, uh, uh, you know, and the, and the scripture teaches you to be generous and be kind. And so he's right outside of the gate going, hey, remember the scripture that said be generous? You know, like, give me some. So uh, he's asking them for money. And then the scripture says, it's a little interesting detail, Peter stopped and looked straight at him. Now, this is a guy who was not used to having people look straight at him. I don't know if you've ever walked down a busy street, you know, in a big city, and somebody's sitting on the street begging for money. And I don't know if you're like me, but there's a moment where you have to decide, am I going to stop and engage, or am I going to keep moving, right? And a lot of times we keep moving, and when we keep moving, we actually avoid eye contact. We actually don't want to see the person. We kind of like almost pretend that we can't see the person, you know, because it's embarrassing for them, it's embarrassing for you, and like, what well, you know, it's awkward, right? So this is a guy who was used to having people just walk by him. He was invisible. He had been sitting there for 40 years, and a lot of people had never actually stopped and looked at him. In this moment, the scripture says that Peter stopped and looked straight at him. Uh, and then Peter says this to him. It says, Peter said, hey, look at us. Because this is a guy also who was used to not looking directly at people. He, he over, over the years, had just, people had just become you know, symbols of loose change for him. And all he, you know, he just, just hoping that somebody would throw some money out. So Peter says, look at us. And so the man gave them his attention. This is a great little moment here. Expecting, it says, expecting to get something from them. Now, here's the very first thing I want to sort of convey to you, and you know this to be true, and I know this to be true, and and this is not like a Christian truth. It's just a a principle that we all know to be true because it's a truth in life, and that is that our past experiences shape our future expectations. So what we've experienced in the past shapes the way we expect what's possible for our future. Uh, what, What has happened to us before sort of informs us of what we should expect coming down the road. Uh, This man had only experienced hardship and trouble and struggle and difficulty, and so his experiences shaped his expectations. Um, I would say some of you today have had struggles in your family and in your relationships 
and in your past and in your finances and in your lives. And those experiences inform the way you view your future. They inform your expectations for what is possible and available to you. All right? Um, I'm going to tell you a story. And I'm going to tell you a story about one of the worst mistakes I've ever made in my whole life. Would you like to hear that story? Okay, never mind. I won't tell it. It's too embarrassing. So, um, okay, so I was 24 years old, uh, and I had been offered um, an opportunity, a scholarship, to go and study in Oxford, England. Um, it was not something that I anticipated. It was certainly not something that I expected. It was a prestigious scholarship. It was a full ride to go study at Oxford University. I was 24 years old. Here's the problem. Some of my past experiences shaped my personal and future expectations. Um, I grew up in a family where my sisters and I were the very first members of our family to attend a university and to graduate from university. Uh, my, my grandfathers were amazing, God-fearing, God-loving, hard-working men of character and integrity, but neither of them had had an opportunity to uh, you know, extend their education beyond the eighth grade. Neither of my grandfathers even went had the opportunity to go to high school. Um, my, my grandfather on my dad's side uh, graduated from the eighth grade, and then he started working for a government relief program. He came from a poor family, went to work for a government relief program called the Three Cs, and he would go out and they would build bridges and they would build roads, and then the government would send money back to, to his parents. Then, you know, that was his life. He, he learned to become a bus mechanic and, you know, he was a boxer, and then he later on became a pastor, but his education, his formal education, ended at eighth grade. My other grandfather, same story, got to eighth grade, graduated from eighth grade, and then he went to work as a ranch hand out in the Pacific Northwest, and he drove cattle through Montana and Idaho and Utah, um, and, and he also ended up in the ministry, but it, you know, he also, his, his formal education was, was limited to eighth grade. My father graduated from high school, went on to high school here, right here in the city in Wellston, graduated from high school, went straight into the military, and then got some biblical training from a Bible school, um, a small, unaccredited Bible school, but, but then went straight into the ministry, never had an opportunity to go on to university. So I say all that to say, I got this opportunity to go study in Oxford, and I get over there, and I feel completely out of place, because my expectations were being shaped by and informed by my own past experiences and the experiences from which I came. So I get there and I'm surrounded by people, students who were, many of whom were the elite of the elite. They were three, four generations, doctors, lawyers, uh, Cambridge, Oxford, Princeton, Yale. And in time, over the next sort of few weeks as I got there, my, deep down in my heart, I began to experience a, a, a sort of nagging voice, a nagging sense that basically said, who do you think you are here at Oxford University? These guys are smarter than you. They're better than you. They come from a different class of people than you. Who do you think you are sitting up here at this prestigious university. And over time, I started to become despondent. I started to become withdrawn. My, my past experiences were suffocating my future expectations. Uh, not only that, the faith that I had grown up in as a child 
really could not withstand the rigor of what I was learning in university. And so my faith began to break down and crumble and erode. So I'm 24 years old. I am every day, every week, feeling more and more despondent, more and more despairing, more and more anxious, more and more depressed, more and more alienated and isolated and alone until finally, after about a year, I said, and here was the mistake, I don't belong here. I'm going to pack up my stuff and I'm going to leave because my expectations had, had been so snuffed out by my past experiences that I couldn't imagine a life that was beyond, uh, that, that, that was even what God had given me the opportunity to do at that time. I couldn't imagine the kind of life that I was experiencing for myself. And so I withdrew. Um, Today, many of us are in situations like that. We're in scenarios like that where, you know, maybe there's something we want to do. Maybe there's something we hope we could do, but we almost are afraid to even imagine it. We're almost afraid to even possibly expect that God could lead us down this path or God could do something in us or to us or through us because it's beyond our experience. And we, we just learn not to expect too much. So that's the situation that this guy is in at the gate. He's, he's in a position where his past experiences snuffed out any possible future expectations. But here comes Peter and John. Now notice, they had had a different experience. They had just had an Easter experience. They had just had an experience where God raised a dead man from the tomb and brought him back to life. That will change your perception of what's possible. If, if you've seen a dead man raised from the tomb and you've interacted with him and you've had a personal experience with him and you've had some, some conversations with him, so that's going to radically change what you believe to be possible, right? So here's this man. He's sitting there. He's expecting a little bit of money. And then here's what Peter says. Peter says, they're looking at each other. You're looking at me. I'm looking at you. We're looking at each other. He says this, silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have, I'm going to give to you. He says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Walk. Now, this is something that that Peter could expect because Peter just saw a dead man rise. But this is not something that our friend leaning against the temple could expect because he's been sitting there for 40 years, never walked in his life. So he doesn't even get up at at first. Scripture says that Peter (laughs) takes him by the hand and he helps him up, okay? Okay. The power is God's, but the hand is Peter, Peter's. Sometimes we need to reach out and, 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 and help some, some folks up. So taking him by the hand, it says he helped him up. Instantly, instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and he began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, a place into which he had never been before. He goes into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Now, imagine this. This is a guy who has never walked before. He's never skipped before. He's never run before. He's never danced before. He's never whipped before. He's never nay-nayed before. This is a guy who's like... He's just, ne- I mean, and he's going, what is going on? And he is jumping around happier than he has ever been because his expectations just got blown away, right? His expectations just got destroyed and shattered because he met somebody who had had an Easter experience. 
Then the scripture says this, when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him. Okay, this is the guy we've been avoiding eye contact with for 40 years. And we've seen him sitting there. We know him. And now he's running around uh, dancing and praising God. It says they recognized him and they were filled with wonder and amazement. The reason they're filled with wonder and amazement is because this is not something they expected to see today. This is not something that they had come to the temple thinking, you know what? I wonder if that guy who's been sitting there for 40 years is going to come dancing in here today. They were filled with wonder and amazement. Scripture says that Peter saw this, their wonder and amazement. And I love what he says. He says, fellow Israelites, why does it surprise you? Why are you so surprised to see a lame man get up off, off the ground and start walking? Why does this surprise you? Uh, because... Obviously, it didn't surprise him. And here he explains why. He said, God raised Jesus from the dead. We're witnesses of it. We saw that happen. And by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. Peter's saying, look, I've had a personal experience with the risen Savior, so I'm not surprised about what's just happened. Because in my mind, A lot of things are possible once a dead man starts to walk. Once that happens, then a lot of things that I thought were improbable or impossible start to become conceivable and possible, right? Peter is saying this to the Israelites. He's saying a personal experience with Easter, right, expands your personal view of what's possible. When you have a personal experience in your life of God, Jesus, rising from the dead, and you have that experience in your heart, and you come to believe on him, and you come to trust in him, and he begins to transform and reshape your life, and redeem you, and restore you, that changes your perspective about what is possible for your future. He's saying, look, I've had a personal experience with the risen Lord, and that's changed the shape of what I believe to be possible in the world. I have a friend, a good friend, his name is Michael. Love him. Uh, wonderful guy. And he's a friend of our, our families. Um, his real name is not Michael. I just, I'm just going to tell you that. Um, but he is really my friend. And um, he, he's, he's had a, a lot of problems in his life. And he's struggling right now in a very, very intense and serious way. He's uh, recently divorced. His um, um, career has sort of come off, come off the rails. Um, he's struggling emotionally, he's struggling financially, he's struggling in, in every aspect of his life. And a lot of it is because, to me, as I talk to him, his expectations for his life are very, very low. Even though he's very bright, very talented, uh, great education, his expectations for what's possible in his life are very, very low because he's had so many tragic, heartbreaking events happen in his life. When he was a little kid, he, his father uh, was diagnosed with bipolar uh, um, uh, manic depression, and and was uh, uh, became an alcoholic. And when my friend was a little kid, his father committed suicide. His mother remarried a guy that didn't love him and didn't like him, and made it clear that he didn't like him. His mother, who was a kind person but who never recovered from this the tragedy of losing her first husband, became very distant and cold and aloof. And then she died a few years ago. And so my friend Michael is in a situation in his life where the only the only expectations that he can have of his life, at this point, he's not a believer, are based upon his past experiences. And so he doesn't see the possibility for hope. 
and, and he doesn't see the possibility for joy and the possibility for meaning in his life. He doesn't see any of that. And after speaking to him a while back, I talked to my wife, I talked to Rebecca, and I go, unless he experiences the power of the resurrection in his life, unless he actually experiences a transforming, life-giving experience of dead man raised to life, I don't see where he's going to find joy and peace and hope in his current situation. I don't see how he actually arrives at that without having a transformative Easter experience in his heart. I don't know if it's possible. And when I said that to her, I don't say that as a novice. I don't say that as someone who just sort of speculating. I'm saying it as someone who had that experience myself in my own life. In March of 2005, uh, up until that point, I was not a believer. I did not have high expectations for myself. I did not have high hopes for the future. But in March of 2005, a little door in my heart opened, and I invited Christ into my life. I had an Easter experience. I experienced the risen Lord as my, as my master and my savior in, in March of 2005. And that is when, in my life, a dead man was raised to life. My life became transformed by the power of the resurrection that I began to experience in that moment. And in the following weeks, in the following uh, months, um, you know, I digged in and I dug in and walked it out, Frank. I started digging in and started walking it out, and I started experiencing the transforming power of God in my life. This was in March of 2005. A few months later, I was back in school uh, uh, in uh, getting a law degree. A, a year after that, I started dating this really great-looking girl um, who would become my wife, uh, Rebecca. A year after that, we got married. It would have been six months if I could have just worked it out a little bit stronger, but she held me off for a year. So anyway, we got, we got married a year later. Um, I was in a hurry after this transformative experience. We got married. Uh, then a year after that, came here, back here to St. Louis where I grew up, you know, started practicing law. My wife started having babies, and I'm practicing law, and a few years after that, um, yeah, she was having the babies, not me. Um, that would be a miracle. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, so, so we start, you know, and then a few years after that, we launched New City Family Church. And like for me, this this life that we are living, the the the, the fact that I get to do this job and, and be a part of this community is is absolutely far beyond. Anything I could have ever dreamed or expected 22 years ago when I was there at Oxford University and my life was unraveling as a 24-year-old because of an Easter experience that happened in my life. It transforms your expectations or your beliefs about what is possible. So last week when we're in, you know, we went to England, uh, I said, you know what, let's, let's, let's take the little bus hour and a half over to Oxford from London where we were. So we got, get in the bus, Rebecca and I, and we go back to, to Oxford. And I got to tell you, you know, as, I mean, as I'm approaching, like I'm, I'm getting like emotional, I'm getting anxious. Like, it's like going back to the, to, the, to the place where, you know, maybe some trauma happened in your life and you go back to there and, you know, it's like just being there is intense, right? So we go back there, we get off the bus and I'm, you know, she could tell, like, I, I'm not shaking, but I'm emotional. Like, I'm like, I'm wired. And we get there, and 
um, we just start taking it in. And for me, I'm going, wow, this is really an amazing and beautiful experience. Because the last time I was here, my life was falling apart. I was depressed and anxious and lonely and alone. And I quit and I bailed out. And now I'm here after having this Easter experience in my life. And I'm having different expectations about what's possible in my life. And so Rebecca and I, we're, we, we go to my old college and we went and took a look at my old college. And there's a picture of us right there at Exeter at, at Oxford. And we're hanging out. And, uh, you know, and, and like everything just is like, wow, I remember being there and having so many problems and so many issues. And, and, and here we are again. And, and then we actually went up to my old dorm room. Um, this is where, you know, <laughs> this is where for, you know, nights, uh, days and nights, I would be, you know, anxious and alone and afraid and experiencing all of this sort of, you know, this sadness um, and, and just being there, you know, like touching the place and being there. It was amazing. And then we went over to the chapel uh, at, at my college. So Exeter College has this beautiful chapel and um, we go in and it's Sunday morning, um, but we're the only ones there. So um, church is not a huge deal over in England. And uh, so we're in this amazing, beautiful chapel and it's just Rebecca and me. Um, and, and the funny thing is like, I actually remember going there when I was 24, when my life was falling apart, and I would just sit there and kind of stare off into space and just, but I didn't, like, all of the icons, all of the, all of the images, all of the stained glass, they were all like pictures of things that represented the reality that God can intervene in your life and change your life. And so I'm like this close. I'm this close to the, the truth of what can change my life, and yet I was a million miles away. I was like the I was like the, the the beggar sitting at the wall of the temple, and like you're that close to the power of God, and you just don't know it. You just don't know to reach out. You just don't know to 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 say that prayer or to ask God into your life or to open your heart. You just don't know. You're just like right there. So here we are. These 22 years later, we're back in the 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 uh, you know the chapel. There's nobody in there. It's beautiful in there. And Rebecca says, hey, there's a, there's a piano, like a nice, big, huge piano, uh, grand piano. And Rebecca says, you know, you think it'd be all right if I sit and play it? And I'm like, I mean, it's just you, me, and God, baby. So who's going to, you know, what are you going to do? Um, so she goes over, sits down on the piano, and I'm, I'm listening to her. It took me a minute to register what she was playing. Uh, but when I did, it just sort of flooded me how thankful and grateful and blessed I am. And so I did what every, um, you know, person that was born in my era did. I grabbed my phone and I started videotaping it. Um, I haven't posted it yet. Um, but I would love for you just to experience with me just a, a, about a one, one and a half minute clip of what I got to experience that day in that chapel. If you could just show that movie.
yeah. Yeah, it was. It was, it was amazing. I don't know if it means as much to you, but like for me, hearing that song played in that place reminded me that with God, everything is possible. God can take the most difficult situation and he can restore it and he can redeem it and he can turn it around. And if he can do that in my life, he can do that in your life. If you're here today and you're saying, look, I don't have high expectations for my life. Uh, I don't have high expectations for my family. I don't have high expectations for my kids or my relationships or my sense of calling or purpose in life because I've been through too much stuff. I've had too many experiences uh, that have limited my expectations. I want to say to you, when you have an Easter experience in your heart, when, when you believe and, and have an experience in your heart of Jesus rising from the dead, it opens up every possible outcome. Anything is possible. If Easter, if Easter happened, whatever issue you're having in your relationship, that's resolvable. If Easter happened, whatever problem that you're experiencing at work can be overcome. If Easter happened, then whatever financial situation you're facing can be remedied. If Easter happened, then whatever health problem you're experiencing today can be addressed. If Easter, whatever God wants to do in your life, he can do. He can transform you from the inside out. He can shape you. He can redeem you. He can restore you. So the question really is not, are we expecting too much? I think the real question is, are we expecting too little? In what areas of your life are you expecting too little from God? Because if God can raise Jesus from the dead, what can't he do in you? There's a, a great uh, writer and theologian, I'm going to close with this, um, that actually became a Christian at Oxford. His name's C.S. Lewis. He's like, you know, there's Jesus, there's the Apostle Paul, there's C.S. Lewis, there's Peter. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but I, but I, love, I love him because he really, he really has a way of just sort of like taking the scripture and opening it up and making you understand it. And actually, I, I became a Christian while reading one of his books called Mere Christianity. But this is a quote from a different book. And here's what he says. He says, if we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the gospels, he says, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he can't imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. He says, we are far too easily pleased. God can do things in your life that right now you can't imagine. You don't expect But if Easter, then whatever is possible. You know what happened after after Peter and John raised this guy, you know, from the from the side of the temple? And he went in and he started, you know, a bunch of people gathered around. Peter's a preacher. Peter says, I got a crowd, I'm gonna preach, kind of guy. Peter starts preaching, preaches the gospel story about Jesus and death, burial, and resurrection. Two thousand more people joined the church in that moment, on that day. This guy was expecting to go to the temple and get a little loose change to survive one more day. But what he experienced was that he became a catalyst for a sweeping spiritual movement, revival in the temple, 
bringing 2,000 more souls into the kingdom because somebody had experienced Easter and came and brought that experience to him. So here's what I want to say to us as a church family, as a community. What happens when we, as a church family, begin to make our expectations not based on our experience, but based on an event that happened 2,000 years ago? What if our expectations expand to bring in the reality of Easter? What if our expectations begin to align with the reality that God can raise dead people? He can raise Jesus from the dead. He surely can take care of that situation that you're experiencing in your life. What happens around us? And here's what's happening right now. People here at U City Family Church are having this experience. They are having an Easter experience, and it's transforming what they believe to be possible. This last Easter, we had over 600 people come and attend U City Family Church on Easter Sunday just two weeks ago. Now, I wasn't expecting that, um, but that was awesome. Uh, we've, we had, they had uh, almost 90 women come to their women's retreat this, um, this weekend. And I hear that was awesome, by the way. I wasn't invited, but... Um, our growth track has been packed out every week. People are experiencing life transformation, not because of anything that, you know, that we're doing or that we know how to do, but because of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. They're experiencing that transformative power in their life, and it's, it's expanding their view of what is possible. So if Easter really happened, if God really did raise Jesus from the dead, If a dead man can get up and walk, then what can't God do for you? And and more importantly, what can't God do through us? If Easter, whatever. If Easter, whatever. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your mercy and for your grace. Thank you for your, your love and your strength and your tenderness. But most of all today, thank you for your power. Thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And that self-same power is in each and every one of us. Thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to, to grow to be transformed by your love, to be transformed by your mercy, to expand our expectations of what's possible in our life to us, in us, through us. Father, I pray that we as a church family, a church community, would come together expecting not the things that we experienced before, but amending our expectations, expanding our expectations based on the event of Easter based upon the reality of you raising Jesus from the dead. I pray, Lord God, that we as a church community would become that transformative power in the lives of others. We would be the Peter reaching out to the halt and the blind and the lame and picking them up and showing them a new life and transforming their life so that they might leap and jump and dance and praise you with their heart and with their voice and with their life. God, we pray that you would be honored today, that you would be glorified. And God, we just ask that you give us the strength to become the men and women that you would have us become. 
all to your glory, all to your honor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen.